0: Hello, everyone. I'm Eric Powers. I have the guys here with me. Say hello, everyone. What's What's up? up? (laughs) That was (laughs) was amazing. Uh, Guys, we're coming to the end of our book, Lead by Paul David Tripp, and we want some feedback from you as we consider doing a second season with another book later this year. So we have some questions, and uh, we, we really want to hear from you. So Sam... Give the people the questions. Absolutely, Eric. So, guys, uh, what was your favorite episode from
1: season one, uh, just as a starter for things, but also what was something impactful that you heard in the first season, uh, something that really stuck with you? But also, lastly, uh, would you be
0: interested in a second season, possibly? Great job, Sam. I'm so proud of you. Uh, (laughs) uh, We we have several ways that you guys can get in touch with us. Joel, tell them how to give us feedback. Yep, you've heard it again and again. You can give us feedback by emailing us, at
2: podcast at gracepoint.church again in your favorite eric powers voice i'm sick of hearing it podcast (laughs) at gracepoint.church you guys can also follow us on social media at the church at GracePoint and send us a message facebook instagram just let us know we want to talk about it this this is not a a, an echo chamber here we don't want to have an echo chamber anyways we want to discuss this
3: with you
0: absolutely uh justin tell them how valuable their feedback is.
3: Absolutely, it's very important to us. Uh, We do this for you. Uh, We do this for the faithful listeners that are joining us every week in a a posture of learning and trying to become better leaders and followers of Jesus. Uh, The feedback that you give us can help us design a better show and a better second season for for you guys. Just let us know if you hate us, let us know if you love us, you know, doesn't matter. I mean, what is important at the end of the day is that you still love Jesus. Uh, It can let us know if you guys want a second season, uh, you can even pick out some of some of your favorite guests from this first season or give us some ideas for guests that you want to hear on our show for the next season. And uh, just please give us your feedback. And uh, that is podcast at church. It is super valuable to us. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Justin's asking for it. If you, if you hate us, just tell Justin. Don't tell all of us. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Uh, that's right. We, uh, we really want to hear from you guys. Uh, We're so thankful for you, uh, for you listening each week. Uh, We're also thankful that you are willing to take the time and answer these questions. You guys are amazing. Uh, Let's keep going. Let's keep learning. Let's keep doing this thing together for the kingdom, right? Let's go. Yeah. All right. right. You guys ready to do another show? Yeah, let's do it. Let's
3: get it. You're listening to the Church at Grace Point Leadership Podcast with Pastors Eric Powers, Joel Scoggins, and Justin Mucka. Joined by Sam Conner as we talk through lead by Paul David Tripp. Today, the guys talk about presence. The gospel principle is you will only handle the inevitable weakness, failure, and sin of your leaders when you view them through the lens of the presence, power, promises, and grace of Jesus. Enjoy the show.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Church at Grace Point Leadership Podcast, Episode 12. I'm Eric Powers. I got the guys, Joel, Justin, Sam, we're all together. Uh, we got a great episode for you this week. Uh, this is our last episode of season one, guys. This is it. Whoa, it's crazy. We have Whoa. made it. We have made it. Uh, before we dive into this chapter, I do want to encourage everyone to join the conversation. You don't have to have the book to be a part of the conversation. You can email us at podcast at gracepoint.church. You can join the conversation by asking questions, give us some feedback. We can even discuss something that we've talked about on the show. We'd love to hear from you, but we probably won't mention again, uh, uh, mention any of it until season two. So <laughs> uh, so it might be a while. This might be the perfect time for you to actually send information because <laughs> we're not going to talk about it for a while. <laughs> but uh, also, we do ask that you would share the podcast, help us spread the word, uh, and get this podcast out to more people. Subscribe and share to people in your life that you could believe could benefit from a podcast like this. And uh, also, be on the look. Look out for season two and updates that we will send out in the future I think we'll we'll do some stuff once we figure out what we're gonna do for season two we'll we'll send out some updates and uh keep you guys posted uh so you can be looking out for season two and uh but help us share this thing help us share um our our podcast get it off the ground uh share it with more more and more people um but yeah, sound good sounds great sounds great that all right sense. chapter twelve uh we're so excited to to be wrapping this thing up, uh, not excited that it's over, but excited that we made it here. Um, it's kind of crazy. Uh, but chapter 12, uh, is on presence and the, the principle goes like this. It says, you will only handle the inevitable weakness, failure and sin of your leaders when you view them through the lens of presence, power, promises, and grace of Jesus. Again, you will only handle the inevitable weakness, failure, and sin of your leaders when you view them through the lens of the presence, power, promises, and grace of Jesus. I think that when we look at people through those lenses, uh, we begin to see people differently, right? Uh, we start to see them uh, as, as creation. Uh, we start to see them as God's children. And because of that, we, we remind ourselves that, um, and we also see who they actually are, you know, that we are all our sinners and we need, desperately need God's grace. We desperately need a Savior, and so we begin to handle their weaknesses, their failure, their sin a little differently. Maybe we handle their weaknesses with a little more grace, their failures with a little more forgiveness, and we handle their sin with a little more direct, like, "Hey, let's let's get this right. Let's leave this behind us," kind of thing. Um, a little more. Uh, I don't really want to say judgment, but we 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 approach it differently. You know, we want to help people overcome their sin and and. Get, and seek God's grace and forgiveness in that and leave it behind, right? Uh, And so, uh, Paul starts this chapter out with uh, a story. Shocker. He he started all of them with stories, hadn't he? I think I've said that every week. Paul David Tripp starts this out with a story. Breaking news. Uh, He was the president (laughs) of a board um, of of a Christian school. He had founded this school. He'd written the philosophy for this school, assisted in designing the curriculum, and hired and led a lot of the teachers. He was super invested in this school, guys. So um, this uh, this became a very painful moment for him. One night, a group of uh, people inside the uh, the board strategically voted him out as president, and pretty much stripped the school from his hands. He was removed as president, removed from all leadership over the school. Uh, he talks about how uh, it shocked him and it hurt him um, that. Uh, this moment completely threw him off, uh, completely caught him by surprise. Uh, and when things like this happen to us, uh, the first reaction we probably have is like bitterness, right? We we get very angry, we get defensive, um, and 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 it did for him as well. That's, that's that was his reaction. He describes the weeks that followed. Uh, He he did not uh, rehearse the greatness, grace, and presence of God. That wasn't what was coming to his mind in the weeks that followed. Instead, he repeated himself over and over again all the wonderful ways that he had served that school. It was all about him and things that he had done. And he said that he felt robbed of something that belonged to him. So instead of uh, of talking about the grace of God and and the, the wonderful ways God had worked inside of the school, the presence of God and the greatness of God inside of the school, and the things that He had accomplished through the school, instead of those things, he he was all about like look at all I've done for the school I've mm-hmm. you know I've I've given all this time all this effort all these ability, these things that I have done I've written all this curriculum I've I've designed all this philosophy like I've done all these things for this school I put my kids in this school and I paid their tuition I didn't even like take a pickup and, and let them go for free no I paid for their all these things that he had done for this school and so he said he felt robbed of something that belonged to him. And so over time, he began to realize this. He, he realized that and accepted that the school was not his and it had never been his. Uh, God mm-hmm. brought it all together. The vision trips, gifts, Paul, David trips, gifts, uh, the community of support, the resources for the building, wonderful, dedicated teachers, commitment and insight into the hearts of the parents, parents that, that were incredibly supportive students, uh, that, that brought an atmosphere, um, a great atmosphere to the halls. Uh, it was an atmosphere that takes a Christian approach uh, approach to education. Everything that this school was, uh, was brought together by God. Um, so everything the school was, everything the school had, everything that it, it accomplished, uh, everything that the school created, all of this was because of God. And so what Paul David Tripp realized was, uh, and he says that at the top of page 211. All that the school was was the result of God's presence. All right. And so this is a a rude awakening for him that that there was some pride, there was some uh, some uh, you know taking a little more uh, credit for for things that that had been done and things that had been accomplished. And so we see that um, what happened was his, his eyes, his vision, had completely left the presence of God and was all focused on the things that he was accomplishing, the things he was doing. Uh, He kind of says it like this on 2.11. I was so busy being present that I lost sight of the awesome encouragements and important protections that are only ever found when a leader keeps his eyes focused on the glory of the presence of the Lord. Uh, He says right after that, bad things happen to a ministry leader and to a leadership community when ministry leadership works Uh, ministry leadership work so commands focus that they begin to functionally forget the presence of the Lord. So he he completely took his eyes off of God Mm. and the presence of God. He was present uh, only uh, to get things done to knock off his task list to to accept the the encouragement and the 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 praise that he was getting for running the school and running it so well and the things that they' created the things that they were doing but he completely forgot to turn around and give all that glory to God and so it's very dangerous when us as ministry leaders uh, and, and and not just like pastors but also leaders uh, when we completely forget to keep our eyes focused on God for guidance uh, for direction but also, that we are pointing the glory to God uh, when we see success, when we th- see things change, when we see things happening inside of the ministry. And when we lose sight of that, we lose sight of the presence of God inside of our ministry, the presence of God inside of our lives, and the things that God is doing. And we, we completely forget that hey, none of this happens without Him, right? Hmm. I've heard this said
1: um, a lot, but um one time recently that really has been sticking with me as of late was that uh pride kills service. Hmm. And I think that is um super crucial to even this discussion. Like uh, of course it sounds like a lot of um like pride issue in this, which I mean, yeah, it is. Um but let's look at service. Yeah, we did we did a whole episode on service, but um when you look into service you see how like whenever you're serving, whenever you're doing that, you're the purpose is to uh, to glorify God in that to reflect God, and as you're doing that, uh, the more the more you do that, and the more you're following His will in that way, um, you're growing closer to Him, and ultimately um, becoming more in His presence there. And so I think that's like whenever we waste time like being super prideful and like have our focus so much on that, we miss out on so much better than what we can provide for ourselves. Um, from worldly standards, because um, that, that stuff is like very limited; um, it's finite. Um, but we'd rather have uh, infinite love from the Father and getting to spend that time in His presence. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I think that's what I'd rather have.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Paul David Trevi admits that he had become so self-reliant, so self-self uh, focused uh, that he completely lost the vision of God here. And so mm. what happens when you do that as a leader when you when you lose God's presence, the vision of God's presence in your ministry and just like giving him the glory and stuff for that Uh, It completely changes the gospel principle that we just talked about right instead of instead of um, You know being gracious towards somebody's weakness, then you're critical of their weaknesses Mm. when they fail you're not You're not forgiving them. You're not letting go. You're not teaching them how to do better No, instead you come down on them hard and you criticize them and stuff like that Uh, and then instead of uh, you know, talking about sin, bringing out to the light, exposing sin and, and trying to help people work through their sinful ways and, and look to God's grace and forgiveness and, and leaving sin behind. Instead of that, if they're being successful, you might cover uh, up that sin. You might turn a blind eye to that sin. And so it completely changes how, uh, how we are looking at people, how we're looking at their weakness, their failure, their, their sin, uh, it completely changes that. When we become too self-reliant, too self-focused uh, and completely lose the, the presence of God. Uh, and this is what he says on the bottom of page 211. He says, There are times when what we say we believe doesn't seem to be guiding our actions, reactions, and responses or the state of our emotions. There are times when what we say we believe doesn't seem to be guiding our actions, reactions, and responses or the state of our emotions. Uh, and that's that's pretty bold, I think, that that like I'm going to say I believe in God, and I'm going to say that I'm giving all the glory to God. But do my actions really show that? Uh, When when people come and pat me on the back, am I just soaking it all in, letting my head get real big, puffing up my chest, and just like uh, completely losing focus on God and becoming more self reliant, more self focused, or am I turning around and actually giving the glory of God, glory to God, uh, stuff like that?
2: Yeah, I feel like that gets easier the more ingrained in a culture you become. Like, especially like you, you think about growing up in church, you you learn the way that you're supposed to be, right? But when it doesn't ever reach that deep heart level, it's only a facade, it's only a mask. So, in in turn, this is what's happening. Or when something's wrong, right? Like mm-hmm. like he's talking about, he, he, he definitely has a heart issue at this moment in time. So, whether it's ever taken root or when you're just in a season where you're just not there, then this facade kind of takes place and you just, you're just, you're just going through the motions.
3: Well, pride comes before the fall, right? And I, you know, especially in music ministry, because our gifts and talents are so vulnerable on a platform, just like speaking, like, uh, like preaching and speaking, um, are, we're in a very vulnerable state. And so it's very easy for, um, well, I mean, people are going to come up to you and say, good job, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I always make sure, like, just, well, praise God, praise God. You know, the, the, year, the music was good today. Uh, you know, the surface was real good. Well, praise God. Awesome. Praise God. It's not about me. Um, you know, I mean, he he uses he uses everybody on the team, um, from your team, Joel, to my team, to, to pastor, to, I mean, to set an atmosphere. I mean, everybody's important. Everyone's gifts and talents sets the atmosphere for the the spirit to flow in the services, and that's more of a practical thing for 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 me but um yeah, no, um yeah, pride comes before the fall, and that's something I had to learn um when i while I was in college. I'm glad I got the experiences that I did to to know that you just can't be prideful um in any area of leadership or just being a human being I mean just It's nobody wants to be around someone who's, uh, I mean, so you mentioned, you know, when, when you say you get all big headed when people give you compliments and stuff, not, not saying that you do, you were just saying that, okay. And, um, but, but I mean, even just talking to people in everyday conversations about, um, you know how do you talk about yourself more than you're asking questions about the other person are you are, are you just talking about yourself all the time? Is every conversation about you and your talents and your gifts um, or are you you know pointing everything towards Jesus and saying, look, look, look at what the Lord's doing in my life and and giving him credit for it all That's what a testimony is is giving God credit for everything all the good things he's done in your life through you because you are a willing vessel so mm-hmm.
1: I think I mean, he talks about this danger too earlier, like, uh, or later, not earlier. Um, but this danger of how, how, like when your ministry is going well, it can create this like kind of illusion that you are in that presence of God. Like you are, mm-hmm. you are following God and everything that he's asking you to do. Um, and sometimes that can be like, it can be wrong. Like it can be, um, somebody's, Uh, or you're just misinterpretation of like what actually like good ministry is. Like, is it actually going well if you're not in the presence of God? Is it actually good ministry? Like, yeah, I'm doing all the right stuff, following all the right uh, motions. Like um, I've got uh, more students pouring in every week. I've got got a bunch of people saying they're coming to Christ, which is great. That, That is great. That's what we want. Um, but are we just, are we like, oh yeah, no, we got the new kids. Oh yeah. We got, uh, people coming to Christ. Oh, we have 10 people saved this week. Good. Let's go get more. Not, oh, hold on. We have 10 people get saved. Let's, let's get more, but also help them understand what that truly means now that they are in the, like, and walk with them in a discipleship relationship too.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that What he gets out here at here with with that example in mind is that uh things may be going well in ministry and that might be an illusion that that is happening uh but you're still not in the presence of god why because you're going through the motions of ministry and god's doing some amazing things but you're not actually spending time in in quiet devotional time you're not actually spending time in in intimate prayer time you're just going through the motions. You're showing up and, and clocking in and getting the things done, knocking off the checklist. Um, but you're not actually spending intimate, close uh, time in the presence of God, worshipful time in the presence of God. And there's a big difference between just like, you know, making a ministry look good enough for people to come in and get what they need to get and, you know, see some success Um and then also being able to lead, there, there's a difference in that, and a person that is leading ministry that in a place where they are actually intimate with God, they're seeking God first. Uh, they're they're doing everything for the glory of God, not for the glory of themselves. They're doing things only in the strength and 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 uh, and abilities of God, not in their own strength, not relying on those, themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think um,
1: like one thing that I've, I've heard said too is like. Um, You don't have to be like a raging extrovert to be uh, good at ministry. Like um, something that's super cool about the presence of God, like whenever you're in that presence, like I've just, whenever I know that I'm growing closer to God, like it just fires me up so much that I I can't help but have that overflow just flow into every different aspect I'm doing. Whenever I'm handling my stuff personally, like Mm. when I'm in the word, when I'm talking to God, like genuinely trying to follow what he has for me. And that being my main focus, it's going to bleed over to every other area of my life. And so those things improve. And that's actually, um, something, uh, someone told me like, um, when it relates to, um, Emma, my fiance, like, um, the days that I focus on loving God and the days I focus on, um, obeying him, um, are days that it's going to be easier to, uh, love Emma. Well, not, not that's, like easy to do like every day, like every day is not going to be super easy just because you're following the Lord, but it's going to be the right way to go about it. Um, It's going to be a better love because it's coming from um, an aspect where you've got God in the center of it. Uh, But whenever I try to focus on like loving her, then I'm missing the biggest part of that. It's the person that like, she's a gift that God has given me. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm not focusing on God in that, then I, I, that's just, you're missing the whole mark on there.
0: That's good. And that doesn't change. Like once you're married, like she's still a gift. I'm I'm going to get in trouble because I said that <laughs> and, and something that happened last week. I'm, Abby's going to get on to me, but uh, she's still a gift. And, and you still, the only way that you can be the best man, the best husband, the best, anything, the best pastor is if you're loving God first, mm-hmm. uh, and you're invested in your relationship with God first. You're pursuing God with all your heart, and then then you get to do the other things well. Um, and that's, that's just it. Um, but when you, but what, what's the counter to that is that you get super busy. Uh, you get super busy, just piles and piles and piles of work that you have to do that you need to get done. And, and then uh, that's when the dangerous temptation of becoming self-focused, self-reli- self-reliant, Relying on yourself too much, that's when that se- seems to kind of sneak in, right? Um, and that it becomes dangerous at that point. Uh, and he says this: he says, leading a ministry without the presence of the Lord filling the eyes of our heart uh, is dangerous for any leader or leadership community. Um, and, and so it's like, how in the world do pastors lead? Uh, it's, also, it's almost like, I feel like this is a question that people can ask because uh, you're like, Pastors are here all the time. We're 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 at we we are lucky to serve as full time ministers, and Mm -hmm. we get to we get to sit in these offices every day. You you would think that just uh, the presence of God would just be here all the time. Like there's no way we can uh, completely forget God because we're sitting in a church, right? We shouldn't be able to do that. But then you look over at your task list, mine's sitting on the screen right now, like you look over at your task list and you just, you look at how long it is and the big number in the top right hand of the screen that says like 40 and you're like, I got to get all this done this week and, and then you get super busy and it's easy, like like I said, you get busy, you get busy, you get busy, things you got to get done um, and then so it is easy for you to just kind of lose uh, sight of the presence of God. Uh, and so you have to be intentional in the mornings to, 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 to set your mind, to set your eyes on the presence of God. Um, it, it, he uses a, a, an example of, of creation. He says this, If it's possible to look at creation and not see the glory and presence of the one who created it all and controls it to this day, then it is also possible to look at your ministry and forget that every good thing there is the work of hands greater than your own uh, so if it's possible for us to look at creation and completely miss the presence of God, which that's why creation exists, is to point us back to God and allow us to see. I mean, creation exists to worship God. It, it is worshiping God. It is, exists to point us back to the creator, back to the one that is that created it, that spoke it into existence, that uh, continues to, to, to remain in control of all creation. Like That's what creation stands. If we can look at creation and miss the presence and glory of God, then it's so easy for us to look at a man-made ministry and completely lose sight of the presence of God, especially when there's a busy task list sitting there, especially when uh, you get distracted in the mornings when you first get here and stuff by by conversations, by other things, by meetings, by whatever is going on. You have to be intentional as a leader to set your mind, your heart on God, on the presence of God immediately uh, so that you can be, uh, like you said, Sam, loving God the most so that you can do everything else to the best of your abilities. That, that has to be the first thing that we're set on the presence of God, loving Him the most, loving Him as much as we can so that we can do everything else to the best of our ability.
3: I love what you said about the overflow of the heart, like from the abundance of the heart speaks the mouth, right? So um, yeah, I mean, everything we do needs to be an overflow of, of that presence, of that, of that, of that time, You spent in his presence. I like that word overflow. It's a good word. I mean, God operates only in an overflow of sustaining himself. And so he just gives us a little taste of that with an overflow of his love. It's really cool that we have access to that.
0: All right. So uh, in this chapter, he gives us a couple of uh, case studies. Uh, He's going to do two of them, uh, but he's going to focus on the same story. Um, and so the first one is presence and glory and the story that he's going to focus on is is King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel um, And so what he wants us to see uh, What he's drawing our attention toward is this he's, uh, is the the protective power of leaders Reminding one another again and again of the right here right now presence of the glory of God so what he's trying to remind us is this it is super important for us as leaders to remind one another of the right here, right now presence of God, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's important that we walk in each day and we keep each other accountable and we encourage one another, hey, Joel, uh, God's all around, dude, and he's so so awesome, like don't forget it kind of thing, you know? And just pointing each other to the right here, right now presence of God, especially whenever you see one of your fellow leaders struggling, when they're having a bad day, when they're having a bad weekend, and and you've got to remind them that, hey, God is still present God is still in your life. God still has a calling on your life. God still has a purpose on your life. You're doing good work. Keep going, keep putting one foot in front of another kind of thing. Does that make sense? And then the next next big thing that he says is this. He says, the core of sin is Mm -hmm. self-glory. The core of sin is self-glory. And what I, I get out of that is that when we think that our ways are better than God's ways, that's when, that, that's the core sin, right? When, when I think that what I feel, what, what my feelings, um, my feelings are more important than how God has called me to live. My passions are more important than how God called me to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, my ideas, my, my desires, my plans uh, are more important than how God has called me to live. I'm not aligning my life with God's word and how he's called me to live. I'm aligning my life with, aligning my life with how Eric likes to live. Does that make sense? So, at the core of sin is self-glory. Is, is is self. Like, and that makes sense because naturally we are, in fact, sinners, right? Yeah. I
1: mean, you, you break you break sin down. Like every time you think about like, like feeding into those temptations, like, and um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like actually doing the things you're getting tempted about, and doing the things that you want to, and neg- neglecting um being obedient to God. Uh a lot of times it's for your own your own pleasure, your own desires that you have. And yeah, all, like the core really is it it's all about yourself there. You're not even like I mean, you, you think about it, you know it's wrong, but in in essence what you're saying is, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I'm gonna keep doing it because I want to do it. And it doesn't matter what you're trying to tell me to do because I want to do this. And so my desire is more important Than following what you have for me. And then, and you break, you break any sin down like that, like any, any little sin that you think about. That's why, that's why sin, all sin is equal is all the same thing. You, any sin that you do is um, just complete disobedience to God and completely saying to him that what you want to do is more important than what he has for you. And then you, you take a second to think about that and you're like, Holy cow, that is super convicting. I don't like right now, like as I'm talking about it, I'm really convicted about everything. I'm like no, like man, it it just even brings more power to what he had to do by sending his son um on the cross for us and what what Jesus had to take for us mm. as punishment for what we deserved and the grace that he has given us because of that is just like uh, it's overwhelming. Yeah, <laughs> it really yeah. is.
2: Well, we're born selfish, right? I mean, it's, it's, you, you can pretty clearly look at it that it's kind of a root nature where, I mean, I, I look at my kid, right? If he ever listens to this, <laughs> that'd be funny, but, um, <laughs> uh but anyways you know i mean we we have to teach him right we have to teach him look this is we don't say it like this but it's like this is a very selfish action we know you want to do this but it's better for you to do this and i can just every time i do that it just it, it, it hits me like a truck sometimes where it's like okay god i I hear you saying that to me sometimes <laughs> right. you know it's like look man like Sometimes you just got to stop what you're doing and you got to listen to me yeah. and you got to do what I'm telling you to do because look it's way better for you than what you're doing yourself it's way better than this this self-glory mm. and if we could if we could just humble ourselves to that point if we I mean look we're human we're going to mess up it's clear we've talked about that week after week after week like pastors leaders all that we're not perfect right. But most of the time, if we could humble ourselves to a point to where we hear God clearly saying what is best for us and and we we allow his his voice to rise over ours, then we're going to be much better for
0: it. Yeah, it's like God is saying, don't put your finger in that outlet. (laughs) <laughs> right and you're like but right. I'm so curious and it, it it hurts me to hear you say no don't mm-hmm. do that right uh, mm-hmm. but yeah it's gonna hurt you a whole lot more if you ever actually put your finger in the outlet and, and so uh, it's the same thing with sin like God's like don't live this way but I'm curious I want to know yeah uh, and it hurts I don't want to hear you say no don't tell me no kind yeah. of thing well and God's just like it's gonna hurt a lot worse if you choose that sin like if you just go if you go that route and, yeah. and so it's just the, the sovereignty and, and just the power of God to be able to see see it all, right? For
1: sure. Um, the thing that connects really well to that is looking at, like, the Israelites, um, when the Lord is trying to lead, like, he's leading them out of Egypt. He's leading them towards the promised land. And through that whole entire thing, like, they're so ready. They're like, oh, I want to be in that promised land. Like, they're during that whole time, they're only thinking about themselves, what's right in front of them, like, the things, like, they mm-hmm. want to do. And even though God is telling them constantly, um, uh, and trying to show them something better, uh, I, I just, I watched a video on this, um, a couple of days ago and it really opened my eyes to this, like, um, uh, think back to when they actually like get to the promised land. Right. And after all that, you would think once they got to that promised land, it, everything would be all like they thought it would be. Milk and honey. Yeah. Yeah. But do you know why it's not? Is because the whole time they were going through all this, they were neglecting the one thing that God was trying to show them through the whole thing. Yeah, he was making go in the wilderness, but they had everything they could ever want, and it was right in front of their eyes, and they couldn't see it. Hmm. And it was the presence of God with them hmm. the whole time. So good. And they couldn't, they like, yeah, when they get to the promised land, they still didn't understand it. And so they're still not getting the full glory of what God has for them and through that whole journey like they it could have been a great journey like they could have learned so much they could have been in paradise Mm -hmm. but they were in like um they were in agony the whole time because they could they just couldn't see it they could only see what they wanted and oh man it was i I was watching that i was like that is that is crazy
0: because through the lens of their selfishness all they were seeing was Mm -hmm. the lack and the uh, discomfort, the un, you know, the uncomfortable parts, the things that they were seeing right in front of their faces, the things that they were choosing, it was all through a lens of selfishness. And if they looked through a lens of uh, of these lenses that we're trying to look through, the power of God, the presence of God, stuff like that, mm-hmm. they could have experienced so much more yeah, and learned so much more. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, what you focus on changes everything, right? Well, you yeah. can't
3: also, I think this is a really cool thing. You can't... Um, you you can't go into you can't perceive God's promise for your life in your own like lens through your own lens through your selfish lens because when you do that then you start making expectations on God putting expectations on him and then you start putting him in a box and this is what God needs to look like for me and this with this promise that he's made me and yeah. i think that's i think that's another thing that you can with, pull out of that too yeah and with that thought
0: sense. with that thought Self is drawing a picture of God, where God's already told us how He is yeah. in Scripture, right? Yep. And, and so it's like we're we're looking to ourselves to 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 form God, to draw a picture of God for us, and to tell us the character of God and and how God is. But yet, that doesn't all like God has told us how He is. He's yeah. shown us how He is in Scripture, and so, so we're, you're we're essentially creating rebels. a false
2: God. Right. Yeah. you're creating an idol.
0: It's a good thought. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a, a a great person, a great example of of self-glory in scripture is Nebuchadnezzar. Absolutely. Uh, Paul David Tripp words it like this. He says, Nebuchadnezzar stands in scripture as an extreme example of what lurks in everyone's heart. An extreme example, not just a small example. He is an extreme example. And that is so true. Um, And so uh, in this way, uh, what we're going to do is uh, I think that when we talk about this passage and we talk about this story, it's going to expose us. It's going to expose some things in our hearts. It's going to expose selfishness. It's going to convict us, uh, and it's going to encourage all of us to, to just kind of lean into God's presence, allow that to be uh, the lens that we look through life, look through to life uh, is through the lens of God's presence and, and just kind of seek that more. Uh, I, I think so. Uh, and right now we're going to pause. So just hit pause on everything. So he uses Nebuchadnezzar as an example of selfishness. And and he he puts the story in here where Nebuchadnezzar was warned in a dream that if you do not start worshiping, if you don't change your ways, if you don't start living more righteous, if you don't start acknowledging that God has handed some of this stuff to you, giving you what you have, uh, you're gonna be stripped away. Everything is gonna be taken away from you. And so uh, a few months later, Nebuchadnezzar, he's walking. We'll post this story. uh, I'll, uh, that's more work for me and you, Joel, but uh, that's okay. We'll, we'll post this story with, with one of our posts about this episode. Um, and just uh, Daniel chapter 4, verses 24 through 37 is the scripture. And, uh, and so he's walking across his palace uh, roof one day, and he's like, look at me, look at my my kingdom that I have built by my hand and my majesty. Look at how, like, he just starts praising himself. And immediately, guys, before, before the words even finish leaving his mouth, mm-hmm. The promise was fulfilled. He was stripped away from his kingdom. He 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 went from being king of the world to being like a beast in the field, eating grass like an ox, with hair as long as eagle's feathers, with 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 nails as long as eagle like bird claws. Like this is this is a gross picture for a king, especially a guy that probably stayed groomed, stayed clean, uh, wore the nicest stuff. I mean, king of the world, right? Um, and, And so this was. This is selfishness humilified, right, immediately uh, by God because God is the ruler of all and, and sovereign over all. And, and so we, just, we see that here. Um, and on, t- on page 214, Paul David Tripp says this, If we are not living with the presence and glory of God always in focus and always as the primary motivator of all we say and do, what we say and do will be driven by the glory of self every human being is glory oriented because that orientation is meant to drive us to god all of us want glory we we want to be the guy that hits the home run in the bottom of the night that wins our team the world series right we want glory we want to hit the buzzer beater we want to kick the field goal that wins the game like we want Glory. We all wanted to be Patrick Mahomes last night. That that led his team to a great victory. We want that glory. We're glory driven. We're uh, and so uh, we want praise. We want that. St- we want that some attention. Um, that is wired inside of us to drive us to God. And so when we are selfish with this. We completely lose sight of the presence of God. We completely lose sight of God in our life. And we begin to look at ourself and we begin to glorify ourselves. when that, that, that is wired inside of us to point us to God, to glorify God, to praise him for everything that he's given to us in our life, for everything he's done in our life, for his grace, for his mercy, for his salvation. It's wired there. It's in us to point us back to God.
3: I think another testament to um to this point right here on we were all made to uh you know glorify something we were all made to worship something is uh secular thinkers and you know just just the lost people in the world will also agree that we are all made for a purpose and to um to glorify something and to to worship something and um the fact that they're recognizing that It just like goes to show like we're all made to worship and that we are all made to worship the one true God. I mean, that's all that even just points to there, there is a God. There's a, there's a higher power that we are meant to acknowledge and adore and worship and, um, shamelessly do it without shame. And, um, it's just a matter of reaching those lost people and showing them that this selfish worship that they've been living in their whole lives needs to be directed towards like the creator, you know, the creator of, of, of the universe and just direct their eyes towards Jesus. I mean, that's, that's kind of how I see it.
2: Yeah. I can't remember where I, where I read this, but it pointed out that at every moment of every day we're worshiping something. Yeah. Whether, whether we realize it or not, whether our focus has shifted or not, we're worshiping something. So, it's very important to be aware. It's very important, like Eric, you were saying, you know, at the beginning of the day to, to, I keep coming back to focus, probably for a reason, that you focus on, hey, look, this is the day that the Lord has made, right? This, God has created me for a purpose. Again, we're not in peacetime conditions, mm-hmm. right? I'm entering into a war today, so I need to be aware. Um, I liked on, a two, on the, at the bottom of that paragraph going into 215, he you know, says, It is important to understand that this is one of the primary spiritual battlegrounds of ministry leadership. For ministry leaders, success is more spiritually dangerous than failure. Much power rather than no power tempts us to dominate. Acclaim is more of a potential spiritual pitfall than rejection than rejection and seasoned experience carries with it more temptation than the unknowns of starting out. Crazy how power does that to people. Yeah. It's so tempting. It's it's so tempting for our own success, our own success to drive us
0: away from God if we let it Mm -hmm. Uh, another thing he says on two fifteen it says if the glorious presence of God does not fill our eyes and rule our heart, we will lead out not out of submission to the Lord and love for others, but for ourselves and our glory. So it kind of goes right along with what you're saying, Joel. What yeah. you just read, uh, what power does to us? Um, it, what just a little bit of authority does to us? It, it can it make us super selfish, uh, just because naturally that that is what we're all about. Like we're sinners, we're selfish, and and selfishness is is at the core of all sin. And so, um, and so a little bit of power, a little bit of authority can make us all about ourselves, all mm-hmm. about our glory. And how we counter that, how we defeat that in our lives is by filling our eyes with the presence of God. Uh, filling our eyes, and maybe that's looking at creation uh, maybe that uh, not to worship creation, but to worship the creator through creation. Maybe that's through opening our eyes to to what is all around us, creation all around us. Maybe it's filling our eyes with the, the scriptures in the morning, filling our eyes uh, with, with darkness. So we're, we're quiet, like closing our eyes in prayer is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. when, we, when we close our eyes and just close everything out and, and begin to, Pray to God and speak to Him and fill our minds and our eyes with the presence of God through prayer. Uh, that's that is how we counter the selfishness uh, that is natural in us to to be selfish and to 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 glorify ourselves and and to live for self, uh, self passions, desires, stuff like that. Um, we have to counter that with filling our eyes with the presence of God. Yeah, my favorite, my
2: actual favorite quote out of this chapter. Um, right in that paragraph, when as leaders we are daily blown away by the presence and glory of God, we joyfully do our work inside the boundaries of the two great commandments, laboring for God's glory and the good of others. Amen. But especially on that first part, like if you just take a moment to consider what what God has done for us and, and what he's done pro- probably individually for each of us in our lives, mm-hmm. If we're not blown away by that every day, especially as ministry leaders, come on, we need a heart check. Yeah. We we need to check ourselves. Like we need to ask really the Lord to search us, right? Yeah. Um, like David, think, like David does in the song. We need to
0: preach the gospel to our hearts again. Exactly,
2: Mike. exactly. Because that that's that's what it is. It's that heart level. It's it's. You know, it's something I was thinking earlier. You know, God brought to my attention. You know, behavior modification will only get you so far. It takes heart level change mm-hmm. to deal with 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 whatever sin in your life. You know, you. Know, I mean, we're talking about sin here. You know, taking the glory for for ourselves and, and 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 not giving it to God. But all of this has to come down to deep heart level change. Mm-hmm. It's not something you can just. Do by by reading the scripture again in the morning, even though that's you know, well maybe not that. Okay, scratch scratch that. Right.
3: Um, it's almost but, like we have to lean on his presence.
2: Right. Right. No, it's, it's it's it's. I'm 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 trying to say, you know, even even ministry leaders can read the Bible in such a way that it's like, oh well, I've read this before. You know, well, all these words are so familiar to me. Mm. you know there, there, there is a way that you can just go through it and go through the motions mm. of reading a book. Mm. But when you allow the Lord to to penetrate your heart with his word, when you allow, when you when you come to the Word with the openness of "Lord, speak to me instead of, "Well, I need to read my chapter of the Bible today." Yeah. I've made a commitment that I'm gonna read a chapter a day or mm. I'm gonna read whatever. Yeah. So it's it, it's a difference in your motive and how you approach what you're doing that creates that heart level change.
0: Yeah, the way he words it is our moment by moment consciousness. Right. So it's it's not just like going through the motions like you said, but like just this uh, um just going through the motions without thinking, but it's it's being intimate and intentional with my thoughts, moment by moment, not even like a great big period of time, like a whole day, no, it's moment by moment. So thought by thought, yeah. I am I am, I am, am being conscious, I'm being intentional with my thoughts about God. And so when I do enter in that time in the morning where I'm trying to set my eyes, set my lens on God uh, and, and see the presence of God through scripture, through prayer time, through a moment of worship with God in the mornings, it's not just going into it with the whole time in mind. It's like, I'm going into this thought by thought, moment by moment. Uh, and I'm gonna take my time through this because this is the most important time of my day, right here, right now. Yep.
1: As we look at this story, like, or as we read and um, thought about the story, specifically this chapter in Daniel, where it, um, it's showing how the Lord is dealing with Nebuchadnezzar, um, we see, um by this and by i mean multiple different examples in the bible um that god is not afraid to humble you and humble you hard mm-hmm. but um a lesson that's popped out to me as uh, as we've even gone over this again like the thing that's popped out to me is honestly did did god have to correct him the way he did did god have to show him the way he was living was wrong like think of it this way, like he, Nebuchadnezzar was so caught up and focused in him that he was living, he was perfectly yeah. fine to live the li- life the way he was currently living it. He was, he would, was not even thinking about anything else. He was like, this is the way it's supposed to be. I'm right. Not even focused about that. The Lord could have just kind of left him alone and be like, okay, you keep thinking that. And one day you'll, you'll know. One day you'll find out. The Lord's like, no, I'm going to deal with this now. You're going to find out now so that you can change. What is that? What lesson does that say? It shows us that even in like you know it, it describes him as like the like kind of extreme example of what's in our hearts. Like even the worst versions of us, God is still loving us enough to correct us from that to bring us that. And so, um, and back to the the quote that uh, Joel brought up earlier. Um, this little section, uh, we joyfully do our work. Like the, that that word joy. Like even in the really hard times where the Lord is. Just working our lives, trying to correct us for something, just just for us to see what we've been missing this whole time. Mm-hmm. We we can just we can be joyful even in that suffering because we know that the Lord is working that out because He loves us, and just like I know from a personal experience as of late, um, especially these past couple of months, the Lord has been humbling me. He has been putting me in a place to where I need to seek His presence. That is, uh, I I mean, as you could probably tell, I'm a little bit passionate about the subject because he's been working in my life, trying to get me to see this. And if I can do any justice to that, is by telling people that this stuff is legit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this stuff is real. Like, like I, there's nothing more peaceful than understanding that even in those hard times, the Lord is working that out yeah. um, for your good because he loves you that much yeah Uh, i think that
0: how you know we ask the question how how is this convicting how is this eye opening for us how is this how is this story going to change our lives and and so we have to we have to look at ourselves as as pastors as leaders and and honestly guys just as believers and and we look at this story and then we look at how we act uh we look how Mm and we put our heart in perspective. We just kind of do a heart check, right? And, and we look at the selfishness in our hearts. Uh, we look at the conversations that we're having. We look at the, the how we conduct ourselves and how we act around people and how we treat people based on what we think about ourselves. Like, and, and we look at that and sometimes, guys, honestly, like uh, <laughs> what we post, it, it just shows selfishness. Uh, how we the demands we make the the things that we uh, the the things that we speak I mean our our entitlement and our impatience with people it, it looks selfish like our, and so it just puts all this the the way that we brag about ourselves and brag about the things that are going on uh, the uh, it's almost like just too much confidence in ourselves and, and and just putting ourselves up on a on a platform up on a pedestal too often and so it just kind of puts our hearts in check. I just like let me analyze my heart. Let me analyze my conversations. Let me analyze mm. the way I treat people. Uh, let me look at how I conduct myself and how I carry myself. I think I think Jake mentioned this in the last episode. Just like it, we may not speak with pride, but the way we carry ourselves looks prideful mm, to some yeah. people. And so uh, we just it puts it all in like the spot for us to analyze it and just do a, a good heart check of like. Do I look like Nebuchadnezzar strutting across my palace roof, mm-hmm. looking upon, among uh, on my kingdom and and saying, look at all I have done? Um, is that what I sound like? Is that what I look like? Is that how I conduct myself? Is that how I treat people looking down on my peasants kind of thing? Or, or am I living amongst the people? Um, Pointing people to God, living with this lens of God, uh, lens of God's presence in my life, constantly reminding me of how small I am, how great He is. Nothing that I've done. I'm just a sinner that is powerless and desperately needs a Savior. And all that God has done moves heaven and earth to pursue my heart and to save me and to to save the world. No one. I just, I
2: just sorry. I just I just had this this thought with with him with his kingdom. It's like how many of, of us are walking around that confidently, not even having a kingdom, That's right. and criticizing Whoa. criticizing all these other peasants around us as mm. we would see them, and saying, "Well, look at all these jokers! I'm so much better than them. I have so much more we talent." Exactly. It is all given by God. It is all taken away by God. That's good, man. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just it's Man, just he's no good he's wonder good.
3: that like so many leaders just fail or you see them struggling a lot of leaders struggle a lot of leaders um they um yeah yeah they struggle you can you can you can see that uh it's because they're trying to like bear all of these things they were never meant to bear on their own and um on once on one two two sixteen because we're at the end of the book Woo! If we are not doing our work with the presence and glory of God in view, we will take credit for what we could never institute, produce, and control on our own. She's mm-hmm. mm. just like we're never we were never made we were never created to bear all of that and and, and do all of this on our own. I mean, imagine if we did. I mean, and it, that's the that's the way the world is, you know. That's why the world is so corrupt. And so when, when leaders get to a point, then they turn to, to even more sin in order to cover up the struggles that they're having. Yeah. It's, it's, At the I top, mean, he nailed it right there.
0: Yeah. At the top of page 217, this goes back to the point that you made earlier, Sam, I think. Uh, but he says, Even the harshest of warnings in Scripture are expressions of grace, God giving people one more opportunity mm. to listen, examine, confess, and repent. Guys, Nebuchadnezzar, what he went through was not judgment, it was grace. It yeah. was like God saying one more time, Hey son, get it right, get it together, understand that I am in control. I've got all this under control. Like <laughs> Uh, it's, mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of what God does for us, like, like just giving us opportunity after opportunity to examine, to look, to confess, to, to repent and say, God, I'm sorry where I have been selfish. I'm sorry where I've tried to have too much control. I'm sorry where I have grasped onto things too tight and not just handed things over to you and, and just glorified you and lived in your presence and, and just place myself submissively under you and mm-hmm. your will and your plans and your control but instead of, I've tried to do this on my strength and stuff and, and God just continues to give us chance after chance opportunity after to just to see that to examine to listen to confess and to repent of those things um and here's another opportunity for us guys as we're talking yeah. about this we're discussing this here's another opportunity for us to examine our life to listen to scripture to listen to God's call and to confess and repent leaders like this is where we need we need to live in a spot uh, a place where we are constantly examining and listening to the scripture and examining our life compared to it and, and seeing how we're weighing up against how God has called us to live and where we fail, where we're too selfish, we confess and repent. We're fast to run back to the presence of God and uh, under his grace and mercy.
3: One other passage or story that comes to mind is, is David and the uh, woman on bathing on the roof. Um, And so you see the consequences with Nebuchadnezzar. He got everything stripped away from him. And then you see the consequences with David. Um, Again, he's operating out of human nature. And so he sees this woman, brings her over, sleeps with her, feels bad, kills her husband. The baby dies in, in birth. And he's just distraught by this. David is destroyed by this. And he recognizes and realizes this is the consequences for my actions. And so instead of saying, you know, instead of cursing God and, and, and he, he goes into the temple, he worships, he bathes, he worships, and he praises God for his goodness and mercy and grace. And he had, I mean, he had no right to begin with, but he had in his human nature, a right just to again, curse God um uh, but no he he saw god's goodness he saw god's mercy on his life and he praised him and worshipped him anyways and um i really i really like resonate with that one too um it's that's just a really good testimony of grace and mercy as well as this this passage in daniel
0: uh. very good and and so he moves us into case study number 2 he says presence and grace is the title of case study number 2 uh, and so this is what he says to begin this. He says, there's another aspect of keeping the presence of God always before your eyes is the need for, for ministry leaders to continue to remind themselves of the inexhaustible resources of protecting and enabling grace that are theirs because of the source of that grace has promised mm-hmm. to never leave them or forsake them. And so the, the next thing that we have to realize is that there is an inexhaustible, an unending, uh, never running out, amount of protecting and enabling grace coming to us from the source, not a source, from the source of grace that, that promises from God, that promises never leave us or forsake us. And so that, that means that we can walk with with humble confidence, right? <laughs> uh, we can't We can't walk around with a little bit of pride. No, we're going to walk around with humble confidence in our God, in our Savior. Again, right. it puts us in perspective of we cannot do it ourselves, but we have a great big God that is there and present, and always with us, and He's He's the source of grace, uh, enabling and and uh, protecting grace that we need to keep going um, and to, to fight this fight that we're in. And so the 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 case study, the story that He points us to, is is the Israelites versus the Philistines, uh, and they're they're in the valley, uh, they're they're fight, about to fight. Goliath, right? It's it's on. Here we go. And uh, and so the armies are set up camp, and uh, the Philistines send their giant. They they send Goliath to the valley, and uh, and and what are the Israelites' reaction? Anybody want to? Anybody want to tell them? They run. They they're scared to death, right? They're scared to death. And, and so. Um, this was their response. They are the children of God, the chosen people of God. They have the power of God like spoken into them. They've heard God. They've, they've you know, watched God work in their lives. They've, they've walked through uh, the wilderness for years with God's presence, just like you've been talking about. And they get to this point and a giant scares them back into their holes. Like, like, <laughs> come on guys. Yep. And, and this is what uh, Paul David Tripp says on 2.18, when a leader forgets the powerful and gracious presence of the Lord, he also forgets he is and what is his as God's child. Vertical amnesia is what he calls it. Vertical amnesia always leads to identity confusion. Mm-hmm. And, and so what, what he's saying is that these Israelites completely forgot about the grace and the power that was promised to them because of the God that was living with them and among them and in them uh, and, and they f- forgot who they were all right and that's exactly what happens to us when we when we face something big when we face a trial or we face suffering or we face uh, a, a situation that we don't know what to, like in ministry you face situations all the time you face disease you face a controversy you face um a divorce in a in a family. You face a big situation. You you face all kinds of things. And if you come up to those giants, and you're not looking at these moments, these giants through the lens of God, at God's presence, you can forget who you are. You can completely mm-hmm. forget. The God that is living inside of you that is empowering you that is is poured his power and grace inside of you You can forget you, you can completely the forget the lion that is alive inside of your lungs, right? I love that song Yeah, uh, you can completely forget about it You can walk into this situation where worship would make the enemy flee where where your your praise to God and your faithfulness to God would absolutely make the the, the enemy tuck tail and run and you can completely forget who you are and, and allow that giant to be so much bigger than they actually are. Mm. Vertical amnesia.
3: Um, you said, so, so humility and confidence. We got to make sure our confidence is coming from God. And pastor Phil preached on this as I think it was his first point yesterday in a sermon, um, was, um, our confidence is in God and comes from God. You know, every, all things, um, are from Jesus and um, our confidence needs to come from there. And so I love the song here again. Um, No, it's not here again, it's do it again. Another again by Elevation. So uh, it's do it again. And the the chorus goes, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, great is your faithfulness. I'm still here in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's it right there. Like our con, he's already won the war. He's already won the battle. I mean, and and we just got to walk in that, um, that confidence that his faithfulness is still the same today as it was yesterday. Yeah, and so and that's what they were missing. No, you're good. You're good. Bet. Go ahead.
0: I thought you. Were, uh, and so uh, Paul gives us the second part of this story. He says, uh, then David shows up. Right. This scrawny little farmer boy. Uh, and so uh, David shows up, and, and on page two nineteen, he puts it this way: David doesn't volunteer because he is delusional. I understand this. Dave, David doesn't volunteer because he's silly or 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 delusional. Instead, of, um, or or and he doesn't volunteer because he has an overinflated view of his abilities, or because he is full of himself. Uh, what he says next. Let you know why he is such courage he says let no man's heart fail because of him mm. your servant has struck down both lions and bears and this uncircumcised philistine shall not shall be like one of them for he has defiled defied the armies of the living god now, he's standing up against the living god and he is not with god god's not with him he's uncircumcised he's he's, he's not living for god god's not with him God is alive in me. I've killed bears. I've killed lions. This dude's going to be just like one of them. And so it wasn't because he was delusional or he had an overinflated view of his own abilities. He wasn't prideful. He wasn't full of himself. He was full of God, the mm. presence of God. And he was looking at this situation through the through this lens of the presence of God that was alive in him. Yeah. Uh, I mean,
1: I mean, we see how like, how young he is in this and he he knows to do this already and i mean i know i'm the youngest in here and i'm i'm 21 so by no means is that i mean in the grand scheme of things yeah that's young but like i mean look how young david is and he still he still understands the presence of god better than i do at my age like it's it's crazy how like yeah it's convicting but also encouraging just because you see how whenever you follow, whenever you understand that uh, what it means to be in the presence of God, Mm -hmm. you understand or you have so much more like um, confidence and it's, it's pride in him. Like honesty, just pride, pride in who the Lord is like, oh man, it's, it's it's not much like, I'm kind of speechless about it. Be honest, because like, I didn't even think about, Really, until this time, about like how much David understood then as a boy, yeah. uh, what a lot of us don't understand now.
0: Wow. Well, he walks into the situation confident in his God but he also walks into this situation with memories of how God has already delivered him and already been faithful in his life. Uh, David says, I've already experienced God's enabling power in moments of danger. Like So not only is he walking in there with confidence in just who God is, but that confidence is built on a foundation of moments where God has already proven his faithfulness, already f- proven his power, already proven his grace. Guys, if we, if we really look through the lens of God's presence we're going to see those moments in our lives, moment by moment, uh, just just markers in our life where God has shown up, and, and God has been very present, and God has shown his faithfulness and his power and his grace to us. And those moments are going to be the confidence, confidence in God, confidence in his power. Uh, those moments are going to be what fuels our confidence to walk into the gates of hell and just ready to fight, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's not like this it's not like this formula, right? Where
2: well, you know, you've reached a certain age and 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 you've read this much scripture and and you've witnessed to this many people, so now I will pour my power out on you. Mm. No, God's power is alive and well and he 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 uses whoever and, and and however unqualified you may seem. Yeah. That that that's not the point. You know, God God qualifies the called. He doesn't call the qualified, right? Mm-hmm. Like he may call he, he. I mean, we see it in the scripture, like these fishermen, right? The, the ones that he chooses to spend his most most of his time with on earth are these very simple, uneducated people.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't want it to uh, come across earlier. I don't. I don't think. No, it was no, no, I don't mean no, it to no, be like. I don't, I don't uh, think anyone took it that way. Young, young no. people can't do uh, like I'm, as me being no, the you, youngest. You're very earth. clear with it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you, I like you, what you said about talking. like you know <laughs> uh, David's age and everything. Well, I mean, God's no respecter of man. He's no respecter yeah. of age. He's no respect respecter to to abil- ability. God's gonna use you um, if you allow Him to, um, and I don't think. Yeah, I don't think anyone took it that way. I mean, I think, I think you you're, yeah. you're very clear no. on, the, on that. On um, that, I mean, no, I don't think case, age. I think age is yeah, a really yeah. poor excuse for yeah. why God can't can't use you. Yeah,
2: just in case, after you know,
1: yeah,
2: anyone was you know, you are talking about how you were young and stuff. Just in case, and I may have zoned out thinking about
1: no what yeah. what
2: what what the Lord was bringing to my head or whatnot, and and not heard the rest you know of what you said, but it just made me th- made me think of that you know just how. I mean, I I literally thought of what what you said too, Justin. You know about you know God's no respecter of persons, none none of that, and what that means. You mm-hmm. know, I mean yeah. that, that means it doesn't matter who you are. He just wants faithful people. He just wants hearts surrendered to Him, and and with that comes that humble confidence, that humble confidence in God. Right? That mm-hmm. Eric, you know, I mean, I think you 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 succinctly said it early. It's a humble confidence in God. Um, you know, very, very, very important to to place it in those terms, right? Mm-hmm. That that's when God can show up the most. When somebody like David, like we read mm-hmm. about, is just, I mean, he's a man after after God's own heart, right? Surrendered Scripture says su- that.
0: Surrendered, submissive. I mean, these are the words that we can use to describe him. Yeah. And these are the words that... We don't like to use to describe ourselves. We don't yeah, want to be no. surrendered. We want to. That sounds weak. It's un American. We, we don't want Come to on. be submissive. That sounds weak, right? Yeah. That sounds like I, I want to do it my way. And so the, the. Yeah. But this is that's that's the posture. That's the um. That's where we have to be. That's where our heart has to be to be used by God the most. Yeah. Yep. Just to finish your thought there. Thank you, no problem. I'm tying a little bow on that. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I just, uh, I, just I, I I, put it in the
2: package. I wrapped it all up, and you just put the bow. Put on. it right on my desk. I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> no, Joel, I thought I just wanted to say I thought I thought it was really good at your point of too. So,
2: praise God,
0: Amen. <laughs> so Paul begins to kind of he begins to wrap this thing it. up. Yeah, he begins to wrap this thing up uh, in the last few pages. Uh, because this is the end of the book. And he, so he begins to wrap this thing up. And, and so what he says at the bottom of page 219 is this. He says, I don't have to say it, but I'm going to say it anyways. Effective long-term ministry leadership takes courage. And, and so pretty much what he's saying is, guys, we're going to face opposition. We're going to face things. And then he goes on to the next page and he reminds us of this. Like, Hey, guess what? Remember, I've said this a bunch of times throughout this book. A call to ministry is a call to suffer. Mm. said it a bunch of times. But don't let that become so overwhelming uh, that you run from your calling. You run from your purpose. Um, Listen to this, guys. He says, "It it is wonderful to be called to stand next to the gospel every day of your life and to be a leader in the worldwide movement of the gospel. It is a privilege. It is an honor. It is a wonderful call to stand next to the gospel, to this perfect, powerful, life-changing, world-transforming message of a, mm-hmm. of a Savior that gave His life for all of humanity just, to, just because He loves them, just to reconnect with them, just to have a relationship with us. It is a, it is a wonderful privilege that we have as ambassadors to stand next to that message uh, he, and to be a part of that movement. And it's it's that that should be in part of that lens of God's presence. a part of that lens that that we look through. To see the rest of the world, uh, and, and it's it's that will inspire confidence in us. That will inspire us to keep going. That will give us the strength we need when when suffering is difficult. That is what will empower us when people are are trying to beat us down. That is what will will help us stand when the enemy's attacks are are the most. Uh, when when health is coming and going. When when time is coming and going. When 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 suffering is coming and going. That 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 right there is what keeps us standing and Mm. keeps us going and keeps us fighting.
1: Yeah.
0: So he says this as a ministry leader, God's presence is your hope. God's presence is your confidence. God's presence is your refuge. God's presence is your courage. God's presence calls you to humility and dependency. Mm. God's presence is your constant motivation to continue ministry leadership at its core is about a community of leaders practicing together the presence of the Lord. And so leaders, if you have an opportunity to hang out with other leaders, uh, the best way for you guys to w- become better leaders is to just practice together being in the presence of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, and, start, and, a and start a podcast <laughs> <laughs> And start a podcast And you know, maybe that's something that us as leaders, that, that's something we can do more of. Uh, that's something that we mm-hmm. can take away from this book. It's not just about sitting here with microphones in our in our mouths talking about this stuff, but uh, starting a podcast, but but having intentional time together where we are talking about, hey, this is what God's doing in my life. Uh, let's let's sit here and worship together. That might sound weird to other people in this mm-hmm. office, but, but it might be great for us and, and our leadership and, and the way that we are leading to, to practice and spend time together in the presence of the Lord, getting our eyes focused on God, putting in that lens of God's presence in our life so that we can Lead well, uh, lead for a long time, uh, mm-hmm. lead for the right with the right motives, lead in the right direction, point people to Christ, and stand firm next to this gospel message that we are so honored and privileged to be able to stand next to.
3: Mm-hmm. Amen, dude.
0: Um. So the the last thing he 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 closes with this, I, and we'll close, I guess, with this to you. Uh, says, what kind of ministry leadership would I hope this book would stimulate uh, and he, he says I'll let the Apostle Paul answer how about that he says this he says working together with him then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain for he says in a favorable time I listened to you in a day of salvation I've helped you behold now is the favorable time behold now is the day of salvation we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors, and yet are true as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you. Corinthians, our heart is wide open. Uh, leaders, our heart is wide open, right? Uh, and so uh, he said. he closes with this, May God form in your heart and spirit expressed by these words, and maybe, uh, may he bless you with every grace you need as you lead in his name. So we, 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 we close into this, guys. Just go lead in this way. Go read 2 Corinthians 6, 1 through 11 and, and allow that to shape your leadership uh, direction, your leadership posture, the way that you lead, the way that you treat people, the way you love people, the way that you uh, just continue to seek God uh, first in your leadership. Um, you guys got anything you want to
2: add? man. No, I think that wraps it up real good.
0: Yep. Mm. Good. Like a beautiful Christmas package <laughs> in February. <laughs> Amen. God's or whenever you do listen God's to this. God's giving <laughs> gifts every day, bro. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So thank you for joining us for the Church at Grace Point Leadership Podcast. Follow the podcast. Share it with people that you believe could use this. Give us some feedback ask questions join the conversation we have some special questions on the front end of this episode that we would love to hear your feedback from Uh, we really want to hear from you Uh, keep a lookout for info and what is to come in our second season we don't necessarily have a timeline and we don't know uh, what we're going to do next but we hope to be back soon Uh, make sure to give us some feedback and share with us what you would like to hear in the second season uh, we've had a lot of fun with you guys. I've had fun with you guys. Oh, yeah. Have y'all had fun. Absolutely, yes, sir. It's I'm been a blast a bunch of fun Season one is coming to a close. We love you guys for Sam Connor Justin Muckett, Joel Scoggins. I'm Eric Power. See you soon. We are Later <laughs>